When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. The winter without F1 continues, but we are all in this together. We've got this. As it happens, the world of F1 isn't really slowing down much. Uh, We've still got a lot to talk through. I'm Ben Hocking. Thank you so much for joining us. Alongside me, it's Harry Eid and Sam Sage. Uh, I would ask whether the lack of F1 is turning you mad, guys, but I feel like that happened quite a long time ago. I am the most sane individual on this podcast. I have no idea what you're wrong about. Also, do you wonder sometimes if two one-kilogram bags of peas have got exactly the same amount of peas in them? No. Harry, do you think about it? (laughs) (laughs) What? I tipped one bag into a bowl and the other bag into a bowl and I found out that one bag has six peas more than the other. Are you telling me you counted out how many peas were in that bag? Mm, Yeah. Sam, you've got... We need to do more podcasting because you've got too much time. More pea-casting. (laughs) <laughs> right well we'll move on from like Sam counting peas <laughs> i can't actually no i can believe it but still <laughs> coming up today other than p chat we've got f1 calendar changes so melbourne has been postponed until november imola is rejoining the circuit uh, uh, the calendar again this year so our reaction to those updates <laughs> Do Red Bull now have the best lineup going after the acquisition of Sergio Perez? Our thoughts coming up on that one. Uh, And we'll also be playing F1 Who Am I? But first of all, Lawrence Stroll, in an exclusive interview with race fans, he's declared that no one would have questioned Lance's place in F1 if he wasn't his son. So, Sam, do you think he has a point here? No, I don't think he has a point there at all. I think Lance Stroll is good enough to be in Formula One. Do I think that Lance Stroll would have had the immediate opportunities, the moving success to a much better team, and how early he joined the sport without going through all the junior formulas as he didn't do? No, I don't. I think he was definitely helped by who his dad was and the financial backing that he had, especially for a team like Williams, who at the time when he joined were in an absolute... They're in the mud. They're in the absolute muck, that team. They needed the cash and Lance providing it. It just so happens that also he then joined the team that was also having financial troubles as had a bankrupt owner previously in the past and they had to be picked up and scooped out of it again in Russia's long straw. He gets another drive. He's also got the most secure drive in all of Formula One at the moment. For him, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton are the three that can do whatever they want and they'll still have a drive next season. I think Lance Stroll is good enough for Formula One. I think he would have eventually got to Formula One. 
but I don't think he could have done it as quick as he did. I do not think he would have walked into the teams that he has. And I think that maybe he might have found himself only having one or two seasons then being, you know, jostled around a little bit or maybe even got saying at all. I really don't think he'll have had the career that he would have done had his dad not been Lawrence Stroll. I mean, you've made the point there that Lewis Hamilton can get any contract that he wants, but we, we do have to remind people that he isn't racing for Mercedes in 2021. The contract's not signed and he is going to DTM. Believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Down to Maracas. Uh, Harry, what are your views on this? Do you think that his place in F1 would be questioned less if he wasn't the son of an owner? Um, I, I think it would be questioned less. I mean, I agree with what Sam's saying there. You know, he... He's come. Uh, he's been fortunate because of who his dad is, um, and you know Williams needed money. They needed Stroll's money. Same for you know Racing Point, Aston Martin, Force India, etc. Um, but I think you know Stroll absolutely dominated the F three uh, season he was in, like smashed it. Um, he's a decent peddler. We've seen. We've definitely, definitely seen glimpses of it, especially last year. I think you know gave him a, a half decent car, and he did he did some great performances in it. He's he's not got the consistency to be a, a great driver, um, but he is a solid peddler. And I yeah, sometimes I think the criticism is unwarranted because you know take out the fact how take take away the fact um, how we got to F one um, and just place him in F one without his dad anywhere to be seen. And, you know, I don't think people would have questioned him, would be questioning him now, because I think he's proven he deserves a seat. Um, You know, I I think that obviously Vettel being, Vettel replacing Perez at Racing Point or at Aston Martin this year has not helped that because, you know, you'd argue that the the superior lineup would have potentially been Vettel and Perez. And I I pretty agree with that. Um, And that definitely has to do with the fact that his Lawrence uh, Lance's dad owns the team. Um but yeah, I think it's fair to say that there would be less criticism thrown at him. I think I think that's just a fact. Um well not saying he would, you know, not have any criticism. I just think that is perhaps sometimes unfairly put onto the onto Lance. Yeah, I think actually some parallels can be drawn here with his old teammate from last season, Sergio Perez. And, and, you know, Perez received a lot of criticism in his first few years as a quote-unquote paid driver. Now, of course, as we know, Sergio Perez is very talented and he was able to show what he can do. And over time, those paid driver um, sceptics became less and less and they became quieter and quieter. Now, I don't think that Lance Stroll has the same ability or the same potential as Sergio Perez, but I still think there is a a bit of a similar trend there. Having said that, I think Lawrence Stroll is wrong in what he's saying here. Um, I I think the criticism for Lance Stroll would be less if he wasn't the son uh, of Lawrence. However, I don't think it would go away completely. Let's have a look at last season. You know, he, he lost heavily to Sergio Perez in 2020, and he lost to Sergio Perez in 2019 as well. Yet Lance Stroll is the one that is kept, and Sergio Perez, yes, he's ended up in a Red Bull, but he lost his seat at Racing Point slash Aston Martin. Does Lawrence Stroll seriously think that that doesn't get questioned if he's not his son? We'd still be looking at that and saying, well, Sergio Perez has scored more points over the last two years. He's got X amount of podiums. Lance is fine, but why has he got this seat? Everyone would still question it 
just because whether he's his son or not, I don't think that comes into play at all. And some people can, you know, attach the family connection and it can be an explanation for people as to why he's got this seat. Uh, but I don't think I don't think the scrutiny goes away if that family connection goes not for not by a long shot. Stroll is a solid driver. I've always said that's the case, but Formula One is about the elite uh, and uh, and the great. And I don't think Lance Stroll is amongst those. So anyone who isn't in that great category, I think rightfully gets questioned about their, their worth in F1. And I think Stroll is good enough for F1, but I think it's only barely. I don't think it's, it, it's massively in his favour. Bear in mind... He doesn't stack up well against Ocon because they've got common teammates in Sergio Perez. You know, Sergio Perez was with Ocon for two years and he was with Stroll for two years. Ocon got very close to beating Perez on, on both occasions and Ocon outqualified Perez across the two years as well, whereas Lance Stroll got nowhere near on, on both fronts. Lance Stroll's overall qualifying record like, is pretty abysmal. I wouldn't say he's had incredible teammates he had a year against Sorokin uh, he had a year against uh, depleting Felipe Massa um, and his overall record is 21 wins to 57 losses it doesn't make for good reading again does that not get questioned if he's not the son of of Lawrence Stroll I think it still gets questioned it's still a very dubious record and and yes you, you rightfully bring up that his F3 record shows that he is a he is a good driver at the same time, there is a what have you done for me recently thing with Lance Stroll in that junior junior performances should get you to the dance, but you've then got to got to prove it when you're there. And I think at times he just doesn't have the consistency that, that he needs to almost be an auto, automatic in F1 uh, and have no one question his place there. I think overall he is good enough to be there, but I don't think it's unreasonable to, to question it from now on then because his record's not great. Sam, I mean, we, we've touched on the sort of criticism that, that he gets. Do you think at least the criticism would be less if uh, he was at another team or if he didn't have that connection to Lawrence? Do you think that it's just less at all? I feel like he wouldn't have the seat to be criticised for. Mm. Um, I feel like he, he as, as I've already said, he deserves to get into Formula 1. He deserves that chance. He's had a couple of years now. And you said the record isn't great. He's had some stellar performances. Don't get me wrong. You know, uh, Turkey, the qualifying was amazing. The race, not so great. A couple of podiums that he's had. You know, that first one in Williams around uh, Baku was incredible. Don't get me wrong. He's had some good moments. But I don't think he's shown enough that with the level of talent coming through the, the younger fields these days, that he would have been able to stick around. I don't think he would have held off a lot of the primetime talent that are coming through the junior ranks. And so that means... I don't think that he would really have had a, a seat to debate about. I think maybe if Lawrence Stroll didn't own the team, as you said, Perez and Vettel would have been kept. And then I don't think Lance gets a drive anywhere else because he won't have that theoretical financial backing to be a pay driver somewhere. It's not because he's bad. He's not a bad driver at all. He's just not good enough, I think, to be a strong contender in a very talented F1 field that we have at the moment. If he was in the field 10 years ago, Chances are he'd be all right. I think he'd have a seat. But with the field that we have now, it's so, so strong. I think that without his dad there keeping him that seat, it, it looks a little more challenging for him. Uh, with Lance Stroll, Harry, do you think that it is a question of consistency about whether he can have long-term success in Formula One? Because we've seen Baku, he got the podium. 
he got the pole position as you've just referenced there in Turkey, Sam, and he had two podiums last season, had a great qualifying at Monza a few years ago. He's clearly got a lot of highlights in his relatively short career, but do you think it is that week-to-week consistency that somewhat lets him down? Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. I think that is the, the main, uh, you know, main chink in his armour is is the consistency. He, he, like you say, he has these stellar weekends and I think he had, you know, arguably his best year in 2020 but there were still there were still bad days I mean you know even look at I don't know they put it down to damage but even look at um, Turkey where you know he absolutely flew in quali I know they there was just something about the track car combination but he still beat his teammate to pole um and he, you know, he didn't pull off the win when, you know, perhaps arguably he could. I know Hamilton was on an absolute stormer that day, but you know, I think Stroll could have won that race. So, um, yeah, it, he just needs to, you know, keep stringing these results together. I think twenty twenty was an encouraging year, uh, encouraging year for him, and you know, perhaps went some way to fight off some of the critics. But yeah, I think if he wants to get <laughs> get rid of all of them, then he needs to he needs to build up that consistency because I think he has shown now that he is you know potentially quick enough to be an F1 he's just got to do do it more often what do you reckon Sam are the areas in which Stroll needs to improve to have long-term success because even if he has a seat for a number of years because of his position he's still going to want success whilst he's there so what what are the areas you think he needs to improve on most well, the one area he doesn't need to improve on the most is that he, he is the lap one king. That man <laughs> is able to manoeuvre through a field like a, a hot knife through gentle warm butter. You know, that man really does glide. But um, he only does it most of the time because he starts so far back. And his qualifying has not been the peak of his career. I mean, he's had a couple of great performances. But then again, most drivers have. You know, when you have a 100 cracks at something, the chances are two out, two or three times out of that 100, you're going to do pretty well. You hope so anyway. And he has done, as you've referenced already, Monza, Turkey as well. Like There are a few where he's really exceeded. But a lot of the time he qualifies behind his team and has to make up for it in the early stages of the race, usually around teams that have a slower car than him. Another thing he can really work on, I believe, is his kind of wheel-to-wheel racing, getting moves done and sorted cleanly and moving through a field as quick as possible. There have been times where he's been really caught up behind traffic, cars that are maybe not as good as the car he's in. And I feel like he misses out on a lot of obvious and key points across a championship, which across a whole championship add up to quite a few, that could stand him in great stead if he was able just to navigate the mistakes earlier on. It's not one glaring issue, but he has got a lot of areas where he could just pick it up a bit, and then I feel like he'd be a strong member of the grid currently. Yeah, I think there are there were a lot of highlights for him in 2020. Um, we, we've spoken about Turkey already, but some of the other races as well. I think he had a cracking race at Mugello until he had that unfortunate puncture uh, that saw him retire. I think he was he was well on course, for, I think, for fourth place in that Grand Prix. So there's 12 points gone. And he, he really impressed me that weekend. But another one as well, um, Hungary. He did a really good job there as well. So he, he has had his good performances, not only in 2020, but across his career. It is, for me, that consistency. He does need to get better at qualifying. I think you could argue that 2020 was his best year, which kind of tells you that there's a problem because he was still comfortably out performed by Perez on Saturdays but I think he was outperformed less than what he has been in in other years so 
it's definitely a, a position in which he needs to improve on. I think his tyre wear overall could do with a, a slight improvement as well. I think he's getting better at it, but still not perfect. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, 2021 with Vettel, it's going to be fascinating to see if he can stack up against him. Because if, if he can beat Vettel, oh, that is a, a massive statement. And that, that will be with him for the rest of his career. Um, uh, it'd be a massive, uh, uh, a massive plus point for him. But yeah, we'll have to see how he gets on. He is the established face at that team. Let's move on uh, to lineups for 2021. So, I mean, at the time of recording, we don't have a full grid because Lewis Hamilton, Mercedes, that saga continues on. Is he going to go to DTM? Is he not going to go to DTM? We still don't know the answer to these important questions. But for now, let's assume that Hamilton is going to be at Mercedes for 2021. Harry, do you think that Red Bull with Verstappen and Perez now have the best lineup in F1? No. Sorry, sorry, Red Bull. It is a bloody solid lineup. Um, I don't think. I don't think it's the best. I, I'd argue Leclerc signs is probably one of the best. It's it's a tricky one. Um, you know, if if Red Bull end up winning the championship this year, then you you know I can eat my words, can't I? And we'll say, well, it was the best lineup this year because they won. But um, yeah, it, I don't. We don't know how Perez is going to go. It, you know, we know he's such a solid driver, and he deserves this opportunity to be in a top team. Um, but we've seen before he's been in a top team and it's not gone well. And it's a, it's a new environment that he hasn't got the time. He doesn't have time to, to build up the relationships he had at racing point. Um, so yeah, so who knows how he's going to go? I think he will go well, but um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a really tricky one to predict. I, I don't think it is the strongest lineup. I, I personally think that the Claire signs one is, is that's where the money is. I don't think the car's going to be there, but I think the lineup's the best um, for me. But um, yeah, anyway, they'll, they'll probably win the championship now because I'm wrong about everything. So Yeah, I mean, they're going to be delighted back in Milton Keynes that you've made this prediction. <laughs> they're, they're guaranteed to win the championship now. Um, Sam, do you think that Perez and Verstappen form the best lineup on the grid now? You know what? This is a this is a mega lineup. This is one of those lineups that when you're playing your F1 2020 career mode and you start a new season, and it's like breaking news, Sergio Perez goes to Red Bull to join Max Verstappen. You think, well, isn't that spicy? Because it is damn hot. Got rid of the sound effect. God damn it. Oh, <laughs> Expensive Perez at Red Bull. Um, <laughs> honestly, it's a remarkable lineup. It is fantastic. Do I think it's the best on the grid? Well, I don't know. I don't know. We've got some really, really great pairings coming through this year. And I think if you are going to tell me previous results gauge the best partnership, then yeah, I guess so. The Staffing and Perez as a team have had some stellar results across their careers. That makes sense. But Daniel Ricciardo goes to McLaren and we know that Daniel Ricciardo is an absolute boost. I mean, that man was on par with Max Verstappen while they were at Red Bull. And I think you're all silly if you didn't see it because the, the man's a ledge. And he's now pairing up with Lando Norris. Now, Lando Norris is not the, the season one rookie that he was. Lando Norris has developed, he's grown, he's, he's improved as a driver. Uh, he's really grown physically as well. He was only 12 when he started racing. And um, the guy is really 
matured and become a very, very strong Formula One driver, I think will carry on getting better this season. So I think that is a really, really big challenge for that Red Bull lineup. And the other, the third and final lineup that I think is absolutely spectacular, whether they get the car or not is a different story, is Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. Charles Leclerc has been phenomenal for the last three years. Absolutely brilliant behind that steering wheel. I backed him from day one in that Ferrari. He's proven me right. The guy has got it together. Carlos Sainz, since he left Renault, it's like we've got a whole new driver. The guy is just getting better and better and better. Even when he's drowning his helmet going around Melbourne because his water bottle breaks, the guy is still putting out phenomenal performances. He does so well against Landon Norris, who is so highly rated to be like a future world champion. Sainz is no slouch. He's going to bring it to Leclerc this coming season. I don't know if Verstappen and Perez are the best partnership on the grid this year because we've got an abundance of awesome partnerships going forward so i generally can't answer that question but yeah they're up there they're definitely up there and they can definitely take the fight to mercedes oh gun to your head sam <laughs> why not? uh ferrari I, I, I changed my mind i think the best lineup will be mercedes when paul duresta replaces lewis hamilton when he's gone to dtm that is that's <laughs> a fair point actually that is yeah. a fair point can't wait for that to happen Hamilton in Hamilton versus Albon in DTM. Albon's going to be like, oh, I'm going to win a race, and then he's going to get taken out. Of <laughs> because Hamilton is so down to Maracan. Anyway, this is very typical of late breaking because I completely agree that Red Bull do not have the best lineup. I completely disagree with who beats them. Um, I think the Mercedes lineup is the best lineup on the grid still. All the rest um, of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I think. For me, Ferrari are not in the discussion of having the best lineup on the grid. For me, it's either Mercedes or Red Bull. Um, I think Ferrari might well come in third in that. They're more McLaren probably for me. Uh, but I just don't think that Carlos Sainz is is proven to me yet that he's he's worthy of that elite status. And as much as I love God Leclerc, I, I don't think he's quite on the, the level of Verstappen and Hamilton yet. Um, so for me, it comes down to those two. It comes down to Mercedes and Red Bull, and I'm going to give the advantage to Mercedes. I, I look at Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen as the leaders of their respective teams, and I would still marginally give the advantage to Lewis Hamilton, albeit only marginal. Uh, and then when comparing the other two, so sort of the, the division two of, of those two teams, you've got Perez and Bottas, and I would say they are pretty much bang on the same. I don't think there's anything in it. Now, I would say that Sergio Perez, in his entire career, had his best season in 2020. Valtteri Bottas, for me, in his four years at Mercedes, had his worst year in 2020. So they are coming off the opposite ends of the scale. Perez coming off his best year, Bottas coming off his worst year. And as a result of that, I think the the consensus is that Perez is significantly better than Bottas. I really don't think there's anything in it. I think they are as good as each other. And the only thing is, Bottas has that consistency. Bottas has that year-on-year um, relationship, that partnership with Lewis Hamilton. He's been in the Mercedes for a while now. Sergio Perez, as much as I, I really rate him, and I think he's going to do, you know, I think he's going to do a good job. And but that is still an assumption. It is still an assumption based off nothing that we've seen yet from Perez in a good car. He's never been in a car as good as the one he's going to walk into. Uh, and we have to remember as well that Lewis Hamilton does make Valtteri Bottas look significantly worse than what he is. So for me, they've they've elevated themselves to the second best lineup on the grid, but I'm still just about going to put them behind the Mercedes. Ooh, that was a spicy take. Let us know on Twitter or on YouTube if you fancy just randomly commenting on the video. 
who's got the best lineup? Just drop it randomly. Don't give any context. Yeah, please just go back to like a really random 2019, 2018 video that we did. Um, actually, don't because the quality is even worse back then. It's hard to believe, but we've actually improved somewhat. It is hard to believe, isn't it? Actually, yeah, it's far too hard to believe. It's not true. Should we move on to our next topic, which is uh, moving on to the news regarding the calendar. So F1 went into this season with a fairly ambitious 23 races on the calendar. Already there are some issues. So the Australian Grand Prix, uh, a staple as starting the season, that has been moved to November. The Chinese Grand Prix has also been postponed, although no date has been agreed as to when that will be rescheduled to. Uh, and Imola, after making a surprise return in 2020, is also going to be on the calendar in 2021. That comes in as round two to fill that void. And we've also got the TBC that is still TBC. So, Sam, what are your thoughts on those changes? Firstly, let's talk about Australia, as that is the usual staple of the, uh, the start of the season. I am gutted that they put it after Brazil. Brazil is now the fourth last race of the season. And that to me is the biggest crime that Formula One have ever committed. How dare you relegate that brilliant Grand Prix that far back? It's still the season finale to me. Um, we still have too many Grand Prix. 23 races in one season is oh, it's a little bit silly. It is a little bit silly. And the worst part is they've not even grouped them properly. They've not even put them in a specific order. That means that the teams can easily go from one to another. We still go, I think, from Spain to Canada, to Baku. It doesn't make sense. I don't get it. So if they're going to start kicking Grand Prix around, at least make them fit geographically to you know meet this carbon neutral objective that we're trying to edge towards, to try and be a little bit better on the environment. We're already getting a lot of criticism as a sport because we're not doing what we can. And that's proving it again. Imola coming back, on the other hand, is the best news about a calendar all bloody year. I am so pumped to get back to Imola. It was fantastic last time. That was such great close racing. Proof that Ben's theory of you don't need a single overtaking a race to have an exciting race was proven. There was something overtaking. But the point stands that you know more isn't always more. Less can be more. And less was exciting. It was a great race. I'm hoping we see the same kind of thing again this time around. Really pumped. If China goes off the calendar... I'll be, due to, you know, due to COVID, of course, not just because it's not going to be on the calendar. Um, I'll be gutted. China is very regularly a great Grand Prix, apart from if it's the 1000th Grand Prix and then it's the worst Grand Prix we've seen for some time. But China is regularly absolutely brilliant. So I hope they find a spot for it and maybe get rid of something else. I was going to say Spain, but they've just signed a new deal. So I'm really actually Spain without the S. And that's all I've got to say on that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your views, Sam. Um, Harry, what are your views uh, on what the calendar looks like now? Uh, it still looks pretty good to me, if we're being honest. I mean, yeah, Spain without the S for Spain, but I think that that was kind of I didn't really get that news. I knew I knew why they announced it, but I thought we were going to Spain anyway. But um, yeah, whatever. Um, I think there's going to be further changes to this calendar anyway, but at the moment it still looks pretty good. You know, I'm happy for. I'm relatively happy for Ermila to be back. You know, I'm potentially may have re- preferred it if they put the Nurburgring back in there. Uh, and then, because obviously I think Portimao is going to be the TBC event. Um, yeah, Brazil being further away from the end of the season, if you're going to move it, move it to the start like it used to be, not not just in this like no man no man zone in the, in the middle. 
Um, and also, if we're going to have Australia at the end of the year, let's you know let's go the whole way and let's take take it back to Adelaide because it's nineteen ninety five and we're in a happier time and it's not twenty twenty one. Sam was just born; he was a wee lad, uh, and we're going to Adelaide. So, um, yeah, so if, you know, if we get as many races as are on the current calendar, you know, going by the current circumstances and I, you know I will not complain one bit um you know F1 proved it's doable they got 17 races in last year this year you know theoretically they can get they can get the 23 in that they're, that they're planning to so yeah we'll have to, we'll have to see what happens I definitely think we should go back to 95 and go to Adelaide and, and just to see little Sam I mean that, that that's what we all want to see little um, yeah I mean Eddie Irvine and David Coulter got to see little Sam that almost sounds wrong. <laughs> I was setting myself up for an Eddie Irvine joke as well. <laughs> oh, Folks, I've been around Formula One since a lot of you weren't even here. You know, I was always in the paddock. Me, I've got Schumacher's old hat over here. Harry's very jealous. Oh, quality, absolutely quality. Right, getting serious now because no, no, don't do that. No, no, this is a serious point. This is going to be a uh, a thirty second run here. Oh my God! There are so many brilliant circuits around the world. You know, there the Nurburgring, Hockenheim, brilliant Silverstone, love it. Red Bull Ring, Watkins Glen, brilliant circuits. Laguna Seca, Canada, Mexico is a quality one. Interlagos, love that. Spa, Monza, Bahrain, Suzuka, Portimao, as we saw last year, Istanbul. They are all quality circuits. And the best you can come up with F1 for the last three races of a season is Melbourne, Saudi Arabia and Yas Marina. Get out of here. Come on, man. Sorry, headphone users. (laughs) (laughs) There are, I mean, I probably only listed about half of the brilliant circuits we have around the globe. There are so many to choose from. And yet F1 have managed to put together those three as the last races now. Have a day off. Oh, how has it come to this? I mean, uh, at least you at least you sat on the fence, Ben. I mean, uh, is it an inspiring last three races? Please, no. please correct me if I'm wrong. It could only be, and I don't want to give him ideas here, but it could only be worse if they plunk Russia in there as well. Oh, come but... on. You know that's going to happen now. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah, jinx that. Maybe we'll just um, turn off after Brazil and just boycott the rest of the season. Whoever wins Brazil is the winner of the championship. There, we've done it. I like that. The LB championship. Um, but in terms of Imola, I, I'm okay with Imola being back on the calendar. Um, I, I think I said at the time I, I would like for them to have waited until the new regulations came in for a slightly better race at Imola, but at the same time, I, I still think it can be entertaining. Um, there's nothing wrong with last year's race at all. The TBC, I, I'm holding out for that one, either being the Nürburgring or or Portimao. Rumours suggest Portimao is more likely at this stage. Um, they should get back to Kuala Lumpur at some point, please. So if you can make that happen, F1, please do. But That geographically makes sense. Oh, yeah. Imola to Sepang. No, but they shouldn't have Imola as the second race. That doesn't make sense. Put it in the Europe bit. Yeah, but that is the, basically it is the Europe bit, isn't it? After yeah, that? but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be Australia, China, then Kuala Lumpur, and then you fly to Bahrain. And you go to Bahrain, 
Saudi Arabia, Abu Dhabi, right? Good. And then Baku. And then you go to Europe. You do all of Europe. Brilliant. Nice one. Cheers. And then you fly to Canada. You do Canada. You do America. You do Mexico. And then you finish off in Brazil. Sam, do you not remember that Baku is in Europe? It helps oh, of course it is. It's the European Dummy. GP. Sorry. Oh, That's yes. ruined my whole plan. Just like the Nürburgring is in Luxembourg. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the late 90s taught us. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm excited to see what the T- I hope the TBC is an exciting one. I, I really hope it is either Portimao or the Nürburgring. But uh, maybe they should just do what Formula E did, you know, when they went to Berlin and did 27 races there. Maybe we should just go around Abu Dhabi 40 times and call that a season. Well, TBC does actually stand for 2B Catalonia. So there you go. That's what it will be. Oh, double header. Does not stand for terribly, terribly bad circuit. Oh, <laughs> well, well done, Harry. That, that was a funny. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Let's let's move on. Let's move on. That's enough calendar chat for one week. Uh, we'll move on to <laughs> come back next week for more calendar chat. I'm sure everyone's delighted. <laughs> it's it's going to be a regular staple from here on out. Let's move on to uh, F1. Who am I? F1! 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 <laughs> it's not one of the better intros. That is undoubtedly it? one of the weakest uh, theme tunes I think we have on this podcast. Maybe, yeah. maybe we need to revisit that at some point. Mm. Um, anyway, F1, who am I? It is Harry versus Sam. Got six drivers, three clues as to who they are. All we have to do is tell me which who that who are they? Which driver am I talking you about? You said that really well. <laughs> I yeah, know. that was brilliantly put. <laughs> F1, who am I? I say things, you say who they are. Full stop. I say things, you say who they are. Things, things who they are. Things, who they are. <laughs> and that's the segment. Thank you very much for listening. Um, so that's basically what's going on. Um, and we encourage you to play along at home as well. Can you get more than these two can get combined? Yes. Probably. Sam, you're going to go first on this one. Rock because on. I've said so. Pick a number between one and six. Uh, I'll have five, please. Oh, number five. Okay, here we go. I won GP2 in 2009 by 25 points. And that's in the old scoring as well. So that's more impressive than a now 25 points. <laughs> My first points in F1 came at the 2010 Malaysian Grand Prix. And I have scored points on 95 occasions in Formula One. Um, so one GP2 in 2009, that means that they obviously came up to F1 in 2010. He was around that time. F1! F1! Uh, oh, um, Nico Hulkenberg. Nico Hulkenberg is the correct answer. Yes, 95 point scoring races, none of which a podium. Less. Cry oh, every time. But Sam's not crying. He's got it right. Woohoo! Pick a number, Harry, that isn't five and is between one and six. Four. All right, number four. I won my first of five Grand Prix in 1976. I won both. (laughs) Between 1978 and 1983, I was the best best placed Brit in the championship standings. And I raced for Brabham and McLaren, amongst a few other teams. 
Um, is it John Watson? It is John oh, well Watson. What he? So well done. That's uh, one all after one round. You each get three. So Sam, one, two, three, or six? I'll go for three. All right, three. My one and only season in F1 was in 2013. I test drove for Sauber in 2014. And I was born in the Netherlands. (laughs) Oh, that last one really gives it away. What what was the first one? What was the first thing, Ben? Uh, My one and only season in F1 was in 2013. Uh, Gio van der Gaard. It is Bantergaard himself. <laughs> I love that. Do you remember? So, when, do you remember when he was gonna? He, he turned up to the twenty four. Was it 2014, 2015 start? Yeah, season, yeah. Claiming that he had a drive. Yeah, that yeah. was very confusing. Yeah. That was messy. All right, so that's two out of two for you. Then Harry, one, two, or six. Which one would you like? I'll go for six, please. All right. I achieved two career podiums in F1, although they were both in my first year. My last points finish came at the 2001 Austrian Grand Prix. And my last season was at Minardi in 2003, alongside Justin Wilson and Nicholas Kieser. Oh, um, is it Jos? Jos Verstappen? It is yeah. the boss himself, Jos the boss. Yeah. He's on uh, fire, that guy. He's not much of a boss, is he? Why, why did he get that nickname? Two podiums. Two, two podiums. <laughs> <for him. laughs> yeah. Um, so you're both perfect through two rounds each. You're doing very well. So Perfect. <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> Deciding questions. Sam, do you want number one or number two? I'll have number one. All right. I won a race by two laps in 1995. I debuted at the 1992 Spanish Grand Prix. And my last points in F1 were at the 1999 Belgian Grand Prix. Last points were at the 1999 Belgian Grand Prix. Correct. Um, Damon Hill. Damon Hill is correct. Come on. uh, It's the deal, isn't it? Deal or no deal? (laughs) (laughs) I would watch that show. Um, (laughs) Just comes out of a box and stay with Hill. (laughs) (laughs) Funny we were talking about the 1995 Australian Grand Prix because that's the one he won by two clear laps. Um, And yeah, made his debut. Two clear laps. That's ridiculous. That is crazy. Yeah, it's funny. It's only been done twice in F1 history. That time, uh, Jackie Stewart did it once as well. But... I hope that wasn't the number two question. <laughs> it is, unfortunately. Oh. All right, Harry, can you make it six out of six between the two of you? Probably not. You'll obviously get number two. So I am the only driver from my country in F1, not just... <laughs> <laughs> I've already got a name. I was disqualified for my first ever race in 2006 and I secured a podium in just my third race. What? The, uh, 
his first race was in 2006. Yeah, so he was disqualified from his first race in 2006. Um, he secured a podium in his third race, uh, and he's the only representative from that country in F1 history. When you know, when you when it clicks, it's quite obvious. Oh God, who who was on the podium in what would that have been? Australia 06. Um. Oh my lord! And they debuted in '06 as well. I think the first clue is the big giveaway as well. I don't remember anyone getting disqualified from the 2006. No, they're the only driver from their country. Oh, that to me was the big giveaway. I'm sorry. Just to clarify as well with the second one. I was disqualified from my first race in 2006. Like that's their first oh. ever race. That yeah. What they they got disqualified from round one, so that's their their rookie race. That yeah, they were disqualified from their first race, which right. was in 2006. That doesn't mean it was the first round of the season. Not necessarily. But then, and he got a, he got a podium in his third race. Correct. What a G. Ah. Not quite Geo Van Bobby K. Bobby K. (laughs) Bobby K. That's the guy. Giga Kubitsa is correct. So, you two, brainy boys, three out of three, you you tie, obviously. So, well done. None wrong. Quite impressed with that. I'm I'm very proud of you both. Thanks. Thank you. Those Those were a nice difficulty. You really didn't punish us there. Yeah, uh, we'll have to do this again next week where I make them much tougher. No, I'm not. I'm, can I, I, have I entered my holiday form? I'm not here next week. We don't do holidays at late breaking. They don't exist. <laughs> Damn it. Late breaking is your holiday. <laughs> That's my life. Play us out, Harry. F1! F1! <laughs> Every time they get more and more drawn out, they're brilliant. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. It really is an awful thing, but we're sticking with it. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's podcast. We will, of course, be back next week with some more F1 chat. Sam, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here. Folks, we, we're trying to have a good year. It's tough for everyone. If you can help us, support us, you know, drop a, a download on the on the podcast. Come and join us over on YouTube. See some videos. Subscribe. Join in the conversation. Maybe have a chat with us over on Twitter, at Breaking. We always have a good debate over there. We've got questions and stuff going out. We've got some loads of great content coming your way for the year. We're really trying to pick it up and get bigger and better and go something a little crazy for you. Uh, so join us. Please stick around. We really appreciate it. In the meantime, I've been Sam to say. I've been Ben Hawking. Nothing, Robert Kubica. And remember, keep breaking late. Sports Social Podcast Network.